Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 9. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Thank you, Pam. Good morning, everyone. And uh, God bless you. One of the great joys of ministry is to be able to do those baptisms. That, that's just a lot of fun, isn't it? And uh, we are so grateful that God has made us His people. And as a result, we have been called to lives of generosity. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on this All Saints Day. You know, uh, when pastors of different Christian faiths preach to their people, people respond differently. Uh, one time I was at a campground and they were missing the pastor and it came time for the service and no one stepped up. Guess who stepped up? And most of the people there were Southern Baptists. And uh, I was, I was kind of shocked. I started into my sermon and talking about Jesus and all of a sudden in the back row, a guy, amen, brother, preach it, okay? And I was a little bit astounded. And then there was another group one time that I was speaking to and there were some Pentecostals there. Have you ever been with Pentecostals in worship before? Well, one of them stood up in the back and started waving their hands and crying out, hallelujah, hallelujah, preach it, brother. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of the way I reacted. <laughs> but I've been preaching to Lutherans for a long time now, and guess how they respond when they get excited in worship? Just enthusiastic joy just bo bubbles over with a slight smile <laughs> and, and maybe a nod once in a while. Okay, so it's, it's great. But I can tell you that Christian preachers of every denomination are often criticized when they preach about the subject that we're talking about today, and that is generosity. I've had people come to me and say, all you ever talk about at that church is money. And M-O-N-E-Y has been called the church's five-letter dirty word. But friends, I am here to tell you that God is so gracious. And because of the grace that comes to us, it overflows not just in our financial giving, but it overflows in our lifestyles and the way that we live. And if we didn't talk about it, we would be failing to talk about one of God's great gifts to us. You know, in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six Bible passages has to do with money. Of the 29 parables that Jesus taught, 
an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. 16 of them have to deal with M-O-N-E-Y. And so in God's scheme of things, there's something important in talking about how we respond to His grace. I hope that you have learned in your life what Jesus said to the early Christians in Acts chapter 20. And if you look it up, these are red letters. These are words from Jesus where Jesus himself says, it is more blessed to give than it is to get, to receive. And for many of you, you have found that out in your life as you've opened your hands and you've opened your hearts to generosity. The example that is given to us in the Bible reading that you just heard is the example of the Macedonians. They were Christians in the northern part of Greece. Paul is writing to the Corinthians down in the south in in Achaia, down in that way. And, And he's using them as an example. And he's hoping to motivate them as a model, a role model for them to be able to to give themselves to this offering that he's collecting for the church in Jerusalem who was under severe trial and severe need. He starts out by talking about grace. Generosity in the Bible is always connected to God's grace. Verse 1 of chapter 8 says, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonians. What is grace? Well, we've just celebrated the Reformation, and that's all about grace, isn't it? Grace is God's favor that is freely given to you without merit. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, but God just keeps heaping His blessings. Everything that we have is a gift from God because He owns it all. And as we receive the grace, what happens? It not only becomes in us, but it overflows through us. And that was the case of the Macedonians. We are told that out of their severe need, their severe trials, they they were very poor people. They gave according to their means and even beyond, it says. But listen to this. In their giving, here's a key. Verse 5, it says, first they gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave to us and to others. That's a key, isn't it? In order for us to be people of generosity, it starts with our relationship with God. And when you know how much God loves you, when you know the grace of God, that even though God knows you perfectly, that He loves you anyway, and He loves you just the way that you are, you can't help but overflow in generosity. They gave themselves first to the Lord. You know, it's a fact that God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our time. He doesn't need anything about us because He's God. And yet, because of what God has done for us, we offer ourselves to Him. I I've always enjoyed the hymn, and and we sing contemporary versions here, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Or in the words of of, uh, Proverbs 23, where where the wise man says, Son, give me your heart. God is speaking. Son, daughter, God wants your heart. He wants you. And it's from you, as you give, as we give ourselves to the Lord, then the rest of our generosity flows out of that. We open up our hands and our hearts. When you understand that the heart of the Lord is always open to you, that God promises to take care of every single one of your needs, like he said to the Corinthians as Jesus spoke to Paul, my grace will always be sufficient for you, that you can count on God that 
He will always care for you as his child. And when you know that, the rest of life makes sense in not just getting more and grabbing more for yourself, but it flows in a life of generosity. You know, it's been said that there's three kinds of givers, and I think I've experienced all three of these types in my life. And there's three different objects that you can look at. The first one is the flint stone. You know what a flint is, a flint stone? It's that which is hammered or hit hard to produce a spark to make a fire without matches. I don't know if you've ever tried it. It looks a lot easier on TV than it does in person. It's very difficult. You have to hammer that flint stone. Have you ever felt like you've been hammered to give? That someone's actually hitting you over the head to give to maybe something that you're not really excited about? That's not a very good way, is it? Or another way is the sponge. And you know, the sponge soaks up a lot of liquid, right? And it holds a lot. But in order for it to get rid of the liquid, what do you have to do to a sponge? You got to squeeze it. You ever been, felt like you've been squeezed in your giving? That someone's just squeezing you to get every drop out of you? That's not very fun either. But the third object that I want to draw your attention to is the honeycomb. And in nature, the honeycomb, of course, with a, with a thriving, healthy a beehive, produces honey that just oozes out. You know, the Winnie the Pooh, you know, uh, just oozes out of the honeycomb. And that's the way God's grace is for us. It just oozes out, and it shows in all of our lives. That's what generosity is all about. Think about it. A person can give without loving. And, you know, the example of the flint or the example of the sponge, under compulsion, pressure, hammered, squeeze. Still others give to impress other people. Others give just for the tax write-off, okay? But there is one truth. While you, a, per, a person can give without loving, you cannot love without giving. Let me say that again. A person cannot love someone without opening their hands and opening their hearts in generosity. The Bible says that that's the way God is. God is love. And how did God prove His love? Finish the passage with me. God so loved the world that He what? That He gave. You know that too. He gave, and He gave all that He had. He gave His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross and to rise again. And when that grace fills your heart, when you know how much God has given to you, you want to be able to give. And what happens as a result? Well, there's blessings, aren't there? There's blessings in general. There's blessings, first of all, to me. What happens when I give? When I give of something that is significant or that is important to me, it creates a void because I've let go of something. I've given up something in my life. And so in a way, when I let go of it, I'm saying, God, I'm going to depend on you to fill the void. I'm going to depend on you that your grace will be sufficient for me. And what happens is that when we do that, when we give freely of what God has given to us, we find that his shovel is always a lot bigger than mine, okay? God keeps blessing me and filling me with, with his grace that is always more sufficient than that which I can give away. That's the promise. Why? Because it's all his in the first place. Psalm 50 verse 12 says, the world is mine and all that is in it. And what does God do? Psalm 145, you open your hand, you satisfy the desires of every living thing. So God just opens his hand as I depend on him in my giving. 
And you know, when I find that when I give, when I let go of something that is significant to me, God is working not so much to pay a church budget or to help out a charity. God is working in me. He is raising me and my character. He's molding me to be more of what God wants me to do and to be as a mature Christian, to be more and more like Jesus. So when I give, my dependence on God is strengthened. Secondly, giving renews my gratitude. When I give away and become generous, I become even more thankful of what God has enabled me to do. When I, when I give, rather than complain about what I don't have, generosity leads me to give thanks for what I do have and what I can and am able to give away. It's, it's another way of giving thanks. And finally, giving blesses me and you because it refreshes us with joy. True joy in life. Does it, get as, does, does it come to us as we grab, as we seek more, as we hold on to more of this life stuff, or does true joy come as we release it, as we open our hands and our hearts? Remember what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and that's where joy comes from. But you know, not only are you blessed when you give, but what happens to the people that you give to? They too are blessed because you lift them up. You let them know that somebody cares. You help them. Uh, yesterday was a great example of that. Uh, we had over 50 people yesterday in the, in the monumental marathon running for Team World Vision uh, to raise funds for kids in Africa that don't have water. And our, just the people from our church raised over $60,000. Would you raise your hand if you were part of the marathon yesterday? Do we have any runners? Look at that. Thank you, everybody. That is just wonderful. Great job. It, it, was, it was really a neat event. And those kinds of things are wonderful. And, and, you know, we in the United States are the most generous nation in the world. And many of us are Christians that do those sort of things. But it's also the little things. I'm reminded of the story of the, of the first grade teacher as it approached Thanksgiving time to ask the kids to draw a picture of something they were thankful for. And this was a very impoverished area of an inner city. Some of them drew tables with turkeys and all the food, wishing that, hoping that that's what they would have on their table too. Others drew their pets, their dog or their mom or the dad as kids do. But one little boy named Douglas drew a very abstract picture of a hand, a hand. And the other, it caught the attention of the entire class, and they started to speculate, what is this hand about? And some of them said, well, that's got to be the hand of God who gives us all of our blessings. Mm, great answer. But then others said, oh, I think that's the hand of the farmer who raises all the food so that we can eat. How neat is it that God has blessed us with farmers? That was a good answer too. But the little boy Douglas just kept quiet until finally later in the afternoon when the whole class was busy on something else, the teacher came and tapped him on the shoulder and whispered in his ear, Douglas, whose hand is that? And Douglas said, it's your hand, teacher. And that's all he said. And she thought and thought, what have I done with my hand that has helped Douglas? And then she remembered that oftentimes at recess, when all the other boys and girls were playing with each other, Douglas was excluded. And it was the teacher who often gave 
and held his hand, and they walked back and forth across the playground hand in hand. And so it's not just the big things with lots of money, but it's the little things that you do in opening your hand and your hearts to other people. That is generosity. That's lifestyle generosity. That's what happens when the grace of God in Jesus fills our hearts and it overflows just like that honeycomb. And I've asked myself here this last couple of weeks, how does the Holy Spirit work so that we can become generous people? You know, it happens, yes, through our worship life, our Bible studies. It's, the Holy Spirit is always at work through the Word. But I believe that when it comes to generosity, that oftentimes it's caught from other people. Just as smiles, generous smiles are often, are often contagious. Giving is contagious too. When you are kind to others, others tend to become kind as well. When you become generous in your heart, others tend to become generous as well. And on this All Saints Day weekend, we remember those who have gone before us. I specifically remember my mom and dad because it was my dad that taught me how to be generous. Going way back to when we first got allowance, and we got allowance, my dad did this on purpose, I'm sure he gave us a quarter and two nickels, okay? And the first nickel went to the Sunday school offering. The second nickel went to the worship offering, okay? And guess what? We got to keep the quarter. We thought like we were the wealthiest kids on the block, you know? We had a quarter. When I first got my first job, real job, at a steel foundry, I was blessed to be able to make enough money to pay for a whole year's tuition in that summer job in that factory. It was hard work. But my dad set me down when I got my first paycheck. And he says, Luther, this is tremendous that you got this kind of job. We would never be able to help you with our, with our family to, to provide for college. But God has given you this job. And then he says, as a result, are you going to give back to him? And then he showed me some of the scriptures, like Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your first fruits, the first fruits of your labor. And then it says, your wine vats will be filling over with new wine. Your barns will be filled with plenty. He took me to Malachi chapter 3. Test me in this, says the Lord. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And that's what's happened in my life and the lives of many others who have become generous people. Generosity becomes a lifestyle as a result of God's grace. And we thank God for those who have gone before us. And maybe I've talked to you and tapped you on the shoulder. I've asked many of you, I says, how did you, how did you become so generous? And I, we've all got stories, and I could have called on many of you, but I've called on Ridge Miller today to come up. Come on up, Ridge. Uh, Ridge, you've been very faithful and over the years. I've gotten to know you, and I thank God for you and your generosity. Your wife is not feeling well today. She's watching from home, though, we hope, right? Hi, Paige. Hi, Paige. <laughs> So tell us kind of your story. Sure. Uh, you know, ironically, you mentioned a couple of things this morning that really hit home. You know, this week when I began to think about what I might share about giving, uh, it took some prayer because as all of you know, and as I know, giving is something very personal. It's not something that you usually talk about. But there's really been three points in my life that I could think about in reflection where my giving has changed. And ironically, the first one was World Vision. And I would tell you that that's a God incidence and not a coincidence that World Vision was actually the first organization that influenced my giving. And what happened was in 1983, I was a junior in college studying accounting at the University of Texas. 
And I was in my dorm room, and as was my habit then and still is today, I was doing my devotional. And I opened up that devotional that night, and it had some scriptures in it. And the scriptures in the devotional was about giving and about feeding the hungry and those less fortunate. Well, as all of you know who've been to college, you're poor. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of resources. And certainly you're watching every dime and nickel. So what actually happened to me was I... I put the devotional down after I was complete, and I turned on the television, and that night uh, there was something on about World Vision, uh, that little black and white television set. And it talked about giving to those halfway across the world who had absolutely nothing. And so I picked up the phone that night, and that was December of 1983, and I made a pledge. And to this day, we continue to give to World Vision, which feeds those that are uh, very hungry. When I moved to Nashville in 1992 as part of my career, Um, I ended up in a men's Bible study group. And in our men's Bible study group, we studied this book called Disciplines of a Godly Man. And there was a chapter in here that talked about giving. Uh, There's a lot of disciplines, and of course, when we think of discipline, we think of hard work and things like that. But you know, the word discipline comes from the Latin word discipulus, which means student. And so we're always a student of learning. And so I was learning about giving, I was learning about worship, I was learning about work. But I learned in the chapter that actually the Israelites were required to give nearly 25% of what they had. And I thought, wow, you know, we always hear the tithes, 10% and so forth. And I thought, what an incredible amount of generosity that, that was called upon for them. And finally, I would tell you that my life has changed with regard to giving because it's been something that I've done more prayerfully as I've gotten older and gotten a little bit more gray hair and uh, a little bit less hair in the back. But you know, when we built our campus out in Fishers to expand, uh, it brought to, con- brought to me the concept of stewardship, <clears throat> which really is about being given very little initially and doing much with what little we've been given, because what happens is God puts us in charge of more. And I think that's what he's done here uh, within our ministries at Cornerstone Lutheran with our downtown and our fishers. But, you know, originally as part of the campaign, we were approached about giving a certain sum of money. It was a very large sum of money. It was something that uh, I was like, wow, you know. <laughs> And, and, and um, but uh, my wife and I prayed about it, we talked about it, and, and ultimately we gave us some money that we felt comfortable with. And um, we turned in our pledge card for that. And as you may recall, one evening I came and talked to you in your office after a personnel committee meeting, and I said, you know, Pastor, I'm really wrestling with what we should give. And he said, Ridge, he said, I think that's so good because that's what God wants to do is work in our hearts in terms of what we might give. And so um, I won't say what it was, but I actually had two instances through, through my prayer where I actually saw the amount that we were supposed to give. And I know that sounds strange, but God can do amazing things. And so just giving through prayer uh, and letting the Holy Spirit, as you said, stir in your hearts, uh, can lead us to do great things. And as you say, it's the gratitude, you know, it's for what happens over there with our baptism and what Jesus gave in the cross that we continue to give uh, joyfully, willingly, and regularly. And I would tell you that I know Many of you all give in different ways. Some of you may give annually. Some of you may give weekly. Some of you may give through an automated withdrawal. For me, it's always been, uh, we all have our morning habits on Sunday mornings, and mine is to go downstairs, feed the dog, do a couple of other things, but also to sit down and write a check to this church, uh, even though it can be done more conveniently, because I like to do it because it reminds me of that, that what I'm doing the first day of this week, Sunday is the first day of every week, that before I go to work, that I'm giving uh, the first fruits to God. And our old, you know, our old offering envelope said on it the following from 1 Corinthians 16. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up. 
And I just thank you so much for what you do because we are fed each Sunday through incredible preaching, through the sacraments, and through the Word of God as taught by you. And we are good stewards, hopefully, of what you and our pastors and our full-time and part-time staff do. So thank you very much for your attention. We and praise I'll... God for Ridge and people like you. Thank you. And by the way, you have, any of you have an open invitation, you can come and see me in my office, and I'll talk to you too, okay? <laughs> God is so good, and uh, it's His grace that just flows out of us like that honeycomb. You know, the, the, some of the final words that Paul talks about with the Macedonians, he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. We excel at so many things in this community, but may we be known as people who excel excellence in this grace of giving, for we are generous people. Do I hear an amen? amen. How about a hallelujah? hallelujah? Oh, that's pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs>